Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. One of the challenges facing the financial advice profession is the hardening of the professional indemnity insurance market. Insurers are few and far between, while premiums are only going up. With me today to discuss this are Keith Richards, Chief Executive of the Personal Finance Society. Hello, Keith. Oh, hi, Damien. And uh, Brian Bomer, a partner specialising in PR at Lockton. Hello, Brian. Hi there. So... The PI market has been shrinking and uh, premiums are going up, as I mentioned. Uh, Keith, what do you think uh, is causing this? Uh, Well, there are a number of factors, but it all stems largely uh, around uh, pension freedoms and more specifically defined benefit uh, pension transfers. Uh, We started to see noise in the market of uh, PI hardening, increased premiums and excesses following uh, the British Steel fiasco. Uh, And since then, it's continue to be compounded by some of the things that even the regulator has been doing around things like uh, the decision to over-double the financial ombudsman's uh, compensation limit from 150000 to now 350000 On top of that, we've had work and pension select committees, so some reasonably in- influential groups, uh, often coming out with some pretty uh, disproportionate uh, headline-grabbing statements which uh, have also poured fuel on the fire uh, and caused some uh, concerns more generally. So it's something we're certainly very concerned about. Uh, There is a general consensus around that uh, further compensation claims could be following in in due course. And, of course, uh, recent statements from the FCA have not particularly helped that, given that uh, the general statements coming from them is that they're concerned regarding the volumes of DB pension transfers that have been taking place. Brian, do you agree? I, I certainly agree with, with some of those reasons highlighted. Um, the insurance market is challenging currently across the board, particularly in professional indemnity insurance. Lloyds of London results um, recently evidence 500 million of losses from non-USPI, which this forms part of that class. So it's a challenging marketplace that's faced with changing regulation and an increase in the FOS awards. All of these factors combined is resulting in fewer competition or fewer markets, insurance markets providing competition, largely because the goalposts keep getting changed by the regulator. It's an incredibly difficult market to underwrite and for actuaries at the various insurers to predict the future. If the regulator keeps changing the goalposts, they can't predict what their claims and losses may be, what their claims or losses may materialise. So the easiest thing to do is exit from the class. Mm. The FOS awards in particular is a challenge for insurers looking at particularly DB transfers with the values of some of the pensions funds but the insurers wouldn't be so concerned about that value increasing if they had a voice to challenge some of those decisions being made. Mm-hmm. And what do you see, uh, Keith, is the uh, reality of this for advisors uh, who can't find, uh, who are struggling to find cover? Is there going to lead to changes in business structure and changes in the way they go about advising people? Yeah, it's already starting to have an impact, uh, Damien. The, it's not just on advisors. We've got to remember... Uh, it's now impacting consumers who are going to increasingly find it difficult to be able to exercise their rights under pension freedoms and find an advisor uh, 
who's prepared to give them advice, in particular in, in the safeguarded benefits arena. So this really is already now overexposing, so increased excesses, let alone the immediate impact of uh, additional premium costs on firms. But more and more advisors now becoming aware that even if they can get PI insurance this year, it may actually been, uh, be withdrawn next year. So the fact that it is a, an annually renewable contract has already been said. You know, insurers themselves need to try to assess the risk exposure against their own books. And, and one way of reducing that is to start to retract from the market, increase excesses or indeed premiums. All of that. Uh, uncertainty is being borne by financial advisors. Uh, the key concern that we have really about this additional risk exposure for advisors is that in some instances we're hearing that excess amounts uh, now far exceed the level of capital adequacy that firms are required to carry. So one compensation claim uh, in the future could uh, certainly push some advisor firms into bankruptcy. I agree with that, but the capital adequacy requirements set out are insufficient. A typical advisor may charge for handling funds maybe 1%, so they could have $100 million in terms of pension fund on being transferred. They earn a million pounds from that work in fees, and the capital adequacy for that hundred million is thirty-seven thousand pounds. So there's no correlation between the risk of transferring a hundred million pounds worth of pension fund and the capital adequacy requirements. There is a clause following the adequacy table thirteen point one two four that says that that's the minimum requirement. But when any insurance broker who's representing these advisors requests some guidance so they can give advice to their clients about the capital adequacy requirements. The FCA won't deal with a third party. They will only deal with the advisors themselves. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we started to see is exclusions on particular types of work. Uh, Keith, I think you've said that you, the PFS has started to see uh, exclusions on things like SEIS work, DB transfer work is becoming increasingly restricted uh, in terms of the number of cases that you can do every year. I think there's some some exclusions involving Woodford funds as well. There's, uh, there are rumours about that. Do you see that, that as being problematic, Keith? Uh, no, absolutely, Damien. I think, uh, I mean, what it really exposes is that you can understand where insurers are coming from. Uh, the problem is it just goes to demonstrate the level of risk that advice firms uh, are now exposed to. At one point, it was the debate around the fact that there's no long stop uh, for financial advice. The problem now that we're seeing is is just how risk can mean that uh, the first layer of protection that an advisor would have through their PI insurance, which of course is a regulatory requirement as well, can simply be removed at uh, the annual renewal stage. So so something has to change. A a regulator who themselves put uh, the potential issue of PII uh, within their own review of the financial advice market review and then tried to impose or suggest that they were going to impose certain minimum terms on insurers only to find out that insurers 
uh, would simply have either pushed up the cost or retracted from the market, uh, then decided to conclude that there was no problem with the market. We've now got uh, an FCA who kind of rushed in the, the overdoubling of FOS limits, even knowing that the, the PII market was hardening and have now subsequently admitted that they did acknowledge that there would be some uh, consequence of them doing that regarding access to advice. So the, so the issue here is not just for the advice sector, it's, it's actually wider than that. It's, it's PI insurers not quite knowing how to react or respond in these uncertain times. It's the public that are being impacted uh, ultimately and certainly the rights under pension freedoms. So, so we are in, in very uncertain uh, and rocky waters at the moment. Uh, and certainly something needs to be done very quickly to, to start to mitigate the ultimate risk of PI insurers. Uh, and we've already heard that there are fewer in the market available. Uh, so competition is not quite as, as keen as, as many advisors would like to see it. Uh, but it's worse than that. Those PI insurers might decide ultimately just to withdraw from the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brian, do you see the, the, the number of these exclusions going up uh, as a course of time? As products or advice being given brings claims, that's going to naturally have an impact on insurers' appetites. But just recapping on the regulator, and they've made these changes, they consulted with brokers and insurers that are providing advice to advisors and providing insurance to these advisors and ignored everything that we said the insurers themselves wouldn't be so concerned about the FOS limits if they had a voice and could challenge the FOS decisions the lack of consistency with those awards and also the way in which the regulator is allowing advisors to continue to trade by having increasing their capital adequacy, but there's no review of the clause 13.124 about that's a minimum. There's no governance around have is that appropriate level of cover for those advisors because going back to Keith's point about protecting the interest of the general public, that's the idea of the professional indemnity insurance in the first instance. Mm. Uh, Keith, what do you think? Well, no, absolutely. Uh, and... You know, we, we've got, I mean, cap, capital adequacy is is, uh, is becoming more to the fore. So I think for many firms, there was a debate around when the FCA first looked at increasing limits. But firms now really do need to think very carefully about the risk exposure, uh, the disruption that a claim can cause. So it's not just about uh, business interruption per se. There's a real, There's a real issue now around these increased FOS limits. And I think what a shame is that the regulator initially said that there were very few consumers who would have benefited from this increase limit, so from 150,000 to 350,000. What it did immediately is it impacted the cost of PII. So either the regulator is expecting a flurry of claims in the future that would now exceed the original limit of 150. And, of course, we've seen in recent statistics that the, uh, the value of the average pension transfer being in excess of 380,000. This is a real concern and something that many firms now are becoming more alert to. 
they have got time to, to plan to mitigate any potential impact against them. And we do need to work with PI insurers to engage the regulator. Uh, the one thing that was extremely disappointing for us, I've got to say in all of this, is neither regulators or government have actually come up with any mitigation to support the public, uh, to support advice firms, uh, and I mean genuine advice firms. The risk that we've now got is DB pension transfers is kind of uh, becoming a bit of a, a, a tarnished word in the sense that good advice is, is at risk now of being challenged as potentially bad advice. So, you know, the regulator and the government have some responsibilities to the public not to distort the true picture. Uh, and let's not forget that it was the government who introduced the right of freedom of choice for the public and included DV transfers within it. So we all have a responsibility to work together to address this so that we can avoid any future long-term issue. Mm -hmm. Keith mentioned about change. We're def definitely in need of change. The first change that needs to happen is with the regulator. The regulator, instead of allegedly consulting with, with the community, what they need to do is listen and not ignore. What they did previously is provide lip service, listen and totally ignore the advice and concerns that the insurance market and brokers alike were saying what the potential impact could be to the advisor community. Mm. So the, the FCA has occasionally mentioned that the, 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 the size of the small size of the PI market is a bad thing. Uh, Keith, do you expect that there'll be any, can be any regulatory intervention to address this? Yes, they, they can be. Uh, but not by trying to dictate to insurers what their terms might be. You know, what, what we had is that, uh, and I agree with Brian, that the, the FCA did consult, but in a very short space of time seemed not to take on board any of the, uh, the feedback of the market and actually drove the change in irrespective. And when I say irrespective, no one denies that it's important to make sure that the public feel that there's adequate protection in, in place when things go wrong. But to do something knowing that it's likely to have an unintended, well, an intended consequence, actually, we, we were wrong to refer to it as an unintended consequence. The regulators subsequently admitted that they, they knew that this would have an impact. What seems rather reckless about that statement is that it impacts both consumers and the market. So knowing that something is going to have an impact, not putting in place a mitigation plan or support to help mitigate against that impact seems to me rather a reckless uh, strategy and approach. What do you think? Uh, do you think there's likely to be any intervention from the FCA? You're talking about commercial enterprises. Each insurer is a commercial enterprise, and whether they're privately owned, shareholders, they've got to deliver a margin. Now, if you're an underwriter writing this class of business, you need to justify your actions and align your company's capital with good quality businesses. Until there is assurance from the FCA about certainty around what the future may look like for the advisor profession, how they're going to regulate it, also perhaps giving those insurers 
a voice a chance to challenge a FOS decision over a certain amount, it may result in some positivity coming back from the marketplace and create greater competition. Greater competition will have a softening effect on the marketplace. But if you're an insurance actuary looking at this profession, you cannot predict what's going to happen. So the, the advice that you would give to your shareholders is let's not write this class. Mm. And if uh, you were talking to a financial advisor now who was asking you, how can I navigate my way around this market that only has a handful of insurers in it, what would you say to them? Prepare early. And I think there are a number of advisors giving real good quality advice to their client bank. But there are a number of advisors that have seen pension transfers as a potential cash cow. So it's important that those bona fide, really good businesses, top advisors, demonstrate the difference between them and perhaps others, perhaps spend some time on their application about why they're different, educate their broker about their processes and procedures so that they can then articulate that on their behalf to the various insurers. There are only a few markets that write this class of business, so your choices are limited. So don't drip feed information, provide it in a succinct format that represents who you are as a business. And then insurers, because there are some really specialist insurers in this class. The only ones writing this are specialists now, but they're getting flooded with applications. It's important those practices differentiate themselves from the crowd. And Keith, what would you uh, say to uh, an, an advisor who was looking for someone to insure him or her? Uh, well, I, I, I'd endorse uh, the, the previous statements. I mean, plan, plan ahead, engage with the uh, the insurer or the broker, and and provide as much detail and information as possible. Uh, there is a lot of sharing of good practice now, Damien. So advisors can actually start picking up some simple checklist guidance on how to better engage with insurers to end up with with better outcomes. So um, you know, the more that an insurer can properly understand your business, your process, and of course, ultimately, the risk, the more likely is you're, you're going to be able to end up with better terms and a longer term, better relationship. Okay. I have a feeling this isn't the last time this topic of conversation will come up, but uh, thank you very much, Brian. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Keith, uh, for phoning in. Thank you. And thank you. Very, very welcome. Much. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 